first of all it's the cost but next it's uh, actually how you lead or how you uh, get that contact on your drift because it's so easy to just lead your nymphs or dragging your nymph towards you because then you obviously have contact but they're not always drifting in a dead dead drift so it's not that natural to the fish but uh, so i would say um, both casting and how you actually drift your nymphs that was Erlen Nielsen sharing two big Euro nymphing struggles for many fly fishers. Euro nymphing and Norway today on the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how's it going today? Thanks for stopping by the show. Did you know that you can now leave a rating on Spotify? Uh, if you're on Spotify right now, and I believe if you've upgraded uh, to the newest version, uh, click the little three dots, and I believe you can leave us a five-star review if you've been enjoying the show. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, definitely thank you in advance if you're able to do that. Today's episode is sponsored by Daddy Flies. Established in 1928, Daddy Flies is the oldest family-run fly shop in the country, now in their 94th year. Please head over to wetflyswing.com slash daddy to grab your in-house flies today. That's wetflyswing.com slash daddy, D-E-T-T-E, to support this podcast and the oldest fly shop in the country. We are also sponsored by the Fly Fishing Film Tour. The Fly Fishing Film Tour is back. It's back, baby. Don't miss this year's 2022 F3T as it returns to theaters near you for another fabulous season on the water. Full of rod-bending action, unforgettable storytelling from coast-to-coast, swag, and a whole lot more. Uh, Tons of stuff here, including conservation partners. Please head over to wetflyswing.com slash F3T to find a show near you. That's wetflyswing.com slash F3T. Erlen Nielsen is here all the way from Norway today. Erlen is the rock star of Norway fly fishing and sheds some serious light on putting together his Euro game. We also find out uh, where you should be heading if you want to make a trip to Norway. Uh, Obviously, Atlantic salmon is big, so we just touch on that briefly. But there's also some really cool fishing there, including grayling, some really big, big grayling. And of course, brown trout and sea trout. Brown trout or sea trout. So we're going to get into all that with one of the best in Norway today. So without further ado, here is Erlen Nielsen. Let's go. How's it going, Erlen? Hi, thank you. It's uh, it's going uh, quite nice, but uh, the winter time is uh, it's cold and dark over here. So oh yeah, not too much fishing. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So so it's a uh, pretty. So what, tell us what the winter's like there. First of all, because Norway always seems like one of those places that you just you would love to live. But what's it like right now? Uh, actually, I'm quite happy with the place I live because I live on the west coast, southern southern west uh, coast of Norway. So so we have kind of a mild climate. But uh, right now it's raining like uh, crazy and uh, about 10 degrees Celsius. So we just had uh, had our winter, I think, because one week ago it was uh, uh, minus and, uh, and snow on the ground. So, yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, 10 degrees Celsius. I'm always bad at the conversion, but I think that's somewhere in the like 40 to 52 degree uh, Fahrenheit. So that's kind of like yeah. where we're at too. Yeah, it's pretty, it's cold and wet here as well right now. So we're kind of in similar environments, it feels like. Yeah. So, okay, well, we're going to dig into today. You've been uh, quite a lot, you've won a lot of awards and things like that through the team uh, Norway um, and Norwegian fly fishing and things like that. We're going to dig into some of that history and uh, and everything you have going with Euro nymphing because Euro nymphing is a, is a super hot topic always uh, on the show. But um, bring us back to fly fishing. How did you first get into fly fishing? What was your first memory of that? How did you get into team uh, Norway? Yeah, I have uh, I have a couple of brothers. They're, uh, that's yeah, 15 and 16 years older than me. So uh, when I was yeah, I was probably around 10 years. <laughs> they they took me on a fishing trip and uh, and uh, started fishing with them. And uh, just short time after, my uh, one of my brothers got into the competition scene. Mm. And uh, he dragged us uh, all in there. So, uh, mm. and I've been competing since uh, actually since 2000. So it makes it 22 years uh, this year. Wow! 
So I've, I've been in there since since I was a youth, though. But uh, yeah. Yeah. 22 years, obviously. Yeah, it's a long time. And we've had a few episodes on here on uh, Team USA, you know, Devin Olsen and mm. uh, Lance, uh, you know, some other yeah. people that have been, I'm sure you probably know those guys. But um, but yeah, it's always interesting to me because it's a whole different uh, perspective on what you do. We're going to talk about that as well a little bit later. But uh, take us to Norway a little bit because for somebody who hasn't been there, it seems like one of those destinations that everybody should go to. Uh, describe what do you love about Norway, what, like as far as from the fishing and environment side? Uh, yeah, Norway is, uh, is a perfect country to fish in. It's, uh, we have a lot of wild fish, uh, not many stockfish areas like uh, in the rest of the Europe, but, uh, but we have a lot of wild fish and, uh, and loads of rivers, uh, running in every direction, south, north, west, east. So, um, so we have plenty of water and we, we do not have that many people in our country. So, so it's a lot of unpressured water. So mm. the fishing is just perfect. And uh, we have also quite good coastal fishing, if you like, Syrian uh, browns. Um, mm. That's mainly what I do nowadays. It's like from November to yeah, early April, I, I'm mainly in the coast uh, doing saltwater fishing for Syrian browns. So we have, we have a season all year round, but um, of course, in the wintertime, it's, uh, it's not much to do. But uh, yeah, it's a great country to fish in. There you go. Yeah, that is because you have that. And then do you also have, what? what's the Atlantic salmon uh, gate? Because that's also a really hot target item always. What's that look like there? Uh, the Atlantic salmon in Norway is, uh, yeah, it's famous for its uh, Atlantic salmon. So we have uh, loads of rivers, but uh, unfortunately there is a decrease uh, in the popularity of, uh, of Atlantic salmon. So also a lot of rivers are closed for fishing now. Um, so that's not only a good situation and uh, yep. yeah it's, it's big industries like fish farms uh, and all that yeah. stuff uh, really affecting the fishing yep that's one of those and yeah we're not going to dig into all that on the conservation stuff today but um, you know obviously there's challenges and, and but the sea run browns I mean that is a super popular uh, topic as well um, Take us there a little bit on the sea run. What, what's that? Uh, what's that look like? Is that because we have, you know, there's some sea run fishing, um, you know, closer to us as well. You know, we don't have to go to Norway to find them, but um, <laughs> it is a popular fishery. What's it like there? Is it pretty easy to find big fish? Uh, yeah, uh, we are mostly wade fishing, uh, and uh, the bigger fish are going more uh, further from the bank. So, so you need a boat to get in contact with the real big ones. Uh, if you want to get them often, but uh, but there are so certain times uh, during uh, both fall and and spring when they come quite close and uh, yeah, it's an amazing fishing when you hit those uh, big sea runs because they are s they are so strong and they are so beautiful. So uh, it's an amazing fishing. So we mainly go around waiting. Uh, I fish a lot of uh, shrimp patterns because uh, yeah, shrimps are all all over the the shoreline. So. And the sea trout seems to love them, so it's uh, it's amazing fishing. There you go, there you go. Well, I think I think sea trout. We might also talk about that a little bit today. I wanted to really dig into a little bit of what you do. I'm, I'm imagining kind of euro nymphing. Obviously, is always a hot topic. Um, and are you still like right now? Are you getting prepared for like competition fly fishing? Is that something I know? COVID obviously has been around the world. Is 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 that something you have going right now? Yeah, uh, unfortunately. Because of COVID, it's uh, I missed out a few years, uh, at least international. Uh, but we're actually going to have uh, the European Championship hosted in Norway uh, this summer. Oh, nice! So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that, and uh, it's it's a lot of preparation going on, uh, fly tying, uh, teams meeting, and uh, all that stuff. So, yeah, we are preparing. Uh, hopefully, we're going to do do well on our home ground. That's mainly grayling fishing. Oh, mainly grayling. Okay, so that's cool. So this is mainly a grayling thing, and and is it pretty? Uh, how popular is the uh, kind of team? You uh, I keep want to say Team USA, but Team uh, Norway and that there <laughs> there. How popular is it? Because here uh, the the Team USA doesn't get quite. You know, you, you don't hear as much about it as you do. Uh, I'm curious. Is it is it very popular? Does everybody know about what you have going? No, uh, it's uh, it's not like in in Central Europe where competition fishing is huge and oh, okay. uh, 
let's see, the team members are are fishing stars in their in their countries. But uh, in Norway, it's probably a lot like uh, U.S. Um, not a lot of attention, and uh, yeah, it, it's like it's, it's a different culture. It's like people are not used to it yet. Oh, I see. Yeah, they're not used to it. And and you've been doing it for a while. So is it on? So typically, when you're out there fishing, is euro nymphing kind of nymphing when you're out there is that kind of like a majority of the type of fishing or are you mixing up a lot of different types dries everything else i mix up uh, everything it's like uh, when you're competitive angler it's uh, you always strive to be the <laughs> uh, let's say the complete angler mm-hmm. yeah. uh, because you need to to do everything you need to to be uh, good at dry fly fishing, you need to be good at streamer fishing, you need to be good at still water fishing, uh, and of course you need to be good at nymphing. Um, since the trout and uh, fish in general feed most of the time on uh, subsurface, uh, of course you need to present the flies there as well. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, it's, it's a lot of nymphing. Uh, I would say during a season it's probably around 50% uh, of the time I, I, uh, I'm on the water. 50%. That's right. Well, let's dig into a little bit on the Euro nymphing. We're, we're going to circle back around to some some other general stuff uh, later, but let's start with that because Euro nymphing is a, definitely a super hot topic. Everybody wants to, uh, it seems like it's maybe the easiest way to catch fish out there for, you know, at least trout. Um, and you're talking about grayling, which is awesome too. I, I love digging into yeah. that, but but let's take us back to, you know, kind of let's take to the start because I'm not sure if you're doing this differently than kind of how people set up over here. Um, but talk about that a little bit. Do you feel like you're, this is similar to what other people, Euro nymphing setups around the world, around other countries? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I got, I got my inspiration from the, the international competition scene. So, so I think, uh, most guys in, in Europe and uh, probably the world in general is, is doing more or less the same. Um, it's been a, developing from uh, for us at least it's been developing from uh, the czech style all the way up to where we are now uh, <laughs> and in norway even though it's 20 yeah probably more than 20 years ago since the real czech style was popular still in norway people think about nymphing as czech style nymphing but uh, like i've seen the the videos of uh, of lance and uh, and devin and mm-hmm. uh, yeah we are basically doing ex- the exact same thing yeah same deal okay and, and i'll put links in the show notes to those past podcasts we've had uh with them uh so take us back because it's been a little while since we done it. is the check style nymphing how is that different than say some of the other types of of nymphing or is everybody kind of is check style kind of what everybody's doing i i can't really remember exactly <laughs> check style <laughs> is where it kind of begun uh, and it's uh, it's a shorter distance it's uh, it's more you're fishing more straight on the rod tip um but uh but i would say that the european nymphing where it's now um it's a much more effective technique than than only the check style because the check style is perfect for grayling for example because uh, the grayling is uh, it's not that easy spooked um they stay close to your feet and uh, they even come to you if you if you're standing in one place long enough because oh wow yeah <laughs> because you have insects or nymphs uh, climbing on your waders and the graylings will come up there <laughs> so uh, so that kind of uh, amazing that kind of nymphing is is quite close to check style but uh, when I go trout fishing I I I'm more uh, more upstream uh, kind of nymphing with uh, with longer drifts and uh, lighter flies. Gotcha. Yeah, that's cool. So fish are literally coming up. I, I didn't really know that about grayling. So they're, it's almost like they're a pet. They're kind of coming up right up to you. You can yeah. almost touch them. So. <laughs> <laughs> they are real social and they school up. So if you find one, you find 30. So it's like, yeah, they are quite, quite special. And uh, for me, it's, it's trout first, but uh, grayling can be fun sometimes, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, at least that's a Scandinavian grayling because I fish grayling in uh, in central parts of uh, of Europe and it's quite different. Okay. Uh, I remember uh, a guide uh, we had in in uh, Slovakia a couple of years ago when we had the world championship there. Uh, <laughs> he said that uh, we caught a lot of grayling, uh, but they were all less than thirty centimeter. So he said that. Uh, 
everybody catch a trout, but if you can catch a grayling over 30 centimeter, then you're a master. <laughs> so, no kidding. So, uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's quite different from from the grayling we have here. It's uh, I think we have just such a big popularity of them, so it's uh, it's a big competition about the food, and um, that's probably why they act the way they do. There you go. And I'm just trying to uh, look up. Yeah, I always forget my centimeter thing. So point. Yeah, it's about it's about half an inch. So <laughs> so you're talking 15, yeah, 16, yeah. yeah, 17 inches, something like that. Yeah, correct. Which is great. Yeah, and I was just talking to somebody. We had somebody. Oh, we were talking about Alaskan. Uh, Linda was on recently talking about Alaskan grayling, and she was fishing some areas yeah. where they had them up up to like 20 inches, which is a pretty good, right? That's a that's a monster grayling. Yeah, but that's that's what we have in Norway. We have uh, maybe not twenty, but at least uh, yeah, so like we 50, 50 centimeter. Fifty centimeter, yeah, up to fifty centimeter. We have lots of grayling that size. Uh, so wow. we have quite big grayling in Norway, but uh, but they are they're kind of easy to catch if you know know where they are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've I've been watching a few of your your YouTube videos. It's it, I think that's kind of your channel. It's obviously in a different language, and you're doing a great job. Yeah. You know, ta- speaking <laughs> English here, but um, but yeah. So on those videos, it's it's pretty cool because I was watching some in a different language, and they're still it's just fishing videos, right? It's kind of funny. They're still cool to watch. Yeah. Um, and uh, but uh, okay. So and what about trout? You you mentioned the sea the the sea trout, the brown trout. What other what are the trout species there? Is that is that the main one? Yeah, that's it. Um, every other trout uh, that's in Norway is uh, is not native, so uh, we don't have. Uh, like I said earlier, it's it's not a lot of stocked fish, so it's it's mainly fishing on uh, on native browns. Um, mm. Yeah, and we also have Arctic char, of course, but mm. that's uh, that's more in the lakes. Oh wow. Yeah, so Arctic trout. Yeah, you have some cool. This that's the cool thing about it is that you do have. I mean, obviously, brown trout are all over the the world now. Yeah. But yeah, you guys have the native population. So, is the when you guys have this event coming up here, um, the European Championship? I mean, how does that look to you? Do you are you do you feel like you know you're going to have a good chance at winning this thing, or is it pretty much you know it's going to be just as challenging as if you're fishing in Spain or something like that? Aye, uh, we have uh, we have a bigger advantage uh, on our home ground. Uh, we know the area quite good. Uh, that's that's a huge uh, difference from uh, when you travel around the world because uh, then you let's say I go to Spain then I I'm there probably one week prior to the competition and and that's all I get to prepare. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we've actually had competitions in in this area the last four or five years, so uh, so we're qu- quite familiar with the place and uh, and I think that's a big advantage because. One of the rivers we're gonna fish, actually two sectors. Uh, it's a Glomma River. It's it's the biggest river in Norway. So, in there, it's like 200 meter wide on the <laughs> on the biggest part. So uh, you need to know where to go. Um, and uh, we have, at least we have dreams <laughs> and goals of uh, of making the podium. But uh, it's gonna be real tough. It's gonna be real tough. The the other teams are strong. Uh, and also the Finnish team, which is very familiar with the fishing we have here because it's similar. Uh, they've been strong uh, the last 10 years, and um, I see them as one of the favorites. Uh, also, together with Czech, France, Spain, always. So it's going to be real tough, but uh, but I think we have uh, at least one of the biggest chances uh, in a while to, to get a good uh, position. There you go. And you have... Uh... The people on your team, do you know who's all going to be there with, with you? Uh, and are they all people that have had been doing this for 20 years, or is there a good mix of, of, of experience? Uh, it's a mix of experience, but I know them well, and uh, it's all very experienced uh, fishermen. And, uh, yeah, I, I think this team that we have now is is one of the strongest we've had in a while because, yeah, it's it's uh, it's been a big variation in the inside the team Norway the last uh, last year has been a lot of new ones coming and going and uh, not really consistent and I think that's important to make uh, make it good uh, but now we have a, have a real strong team so hopefully we get it out that's cool. Yeah, I remember the story that uh, I think it was either Devin or Lance was talking about when Team USA, you know, back in the day, they started out as just a terror. They weren't very good. And it was more like a bunch of, you know, they were just kind of like picking whoever to come off. And it was more like who wanted to go travel. And then when they really got serious about it and started, you know, obviously making it a serious deal, 
um, they got better at it. But um, yeah. but yeah, like anything, I mean, it's you're, you're the top of the game, right? I mean, you guys are the best in in your country. Uh, best in the world so it's it takes some preparation i mean how much are you fishing i'm just curious you know like throughout the day throughout the year are you are you fishing every day all, as much <laughs> as you can how's that look uh yeah as much as i can i, I actually uh, i've had that question several times so actually a couple of years ago i just uh, noted every day i went fishing and i ended up uh, 220 days fishing there you go uh, that year so also i guess i'm in average around 200 uh, days a year so quite much yeah so you're like a you're like i mean basically a guide right are you i'm not sure if you guide at all but is that that's pretty much what you are you're kind of a same level of experience if not more uh yeah um i would say so because uh, when you're also in the international competitions you get a lot of uh, good friends good contacts around the world so you uh, with yeah, people with extreme uh, extreme experience, and um, so I would say uh, you get some extra from from just being there. Let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, Togan's Fly Shop, providing superior products at a very affordable price. A very nice resource for fly tying materials, tools, and accessories. Togans definitely has you covered here. They do a lot of stuff well, um, including some tutorials. They got some great people doing some good stuff there teaching. Uh, Togans is now offering a fly box, a fly tying box. This is their mystery box where they select all the materials for you and you get a nice package right in the mail. It's only one click away and you can get started right now. I recently made an order through Togans and the experience was perfect. After uh, being out on the water and losing a few flies, I had to make a few more uh, purchases of some new hooks and materials, and I did that at the website. You can go to wetflyswing.com slash tokens, and you can take a look at their diverse selection of products today. Head out there, support this podcast by clicking over at that link at Togans Online. That's wetflyswing.com slash T-O-G-E-N-S. Okay, back to the show. Well, what's the, you mentioned the, the glama, I think it's, is it a G-L-A-M-A, uh, is that how you spell that? Yeah, just a double M. The, oh yeah, glama, yeah, though I guess there's two, yeah, G-L-O-M-M-A, and and is that, yeah. so that's one of the bigger rivers there, um, where, if people are coming up there to fish from around the world, I mean, are there a bunch of locations, obviously you have like the Atlantic salmon, um, but where are people headed, are there, are there just tons of rivers where people are going, different lodges and things like that? Yeah, there is a lot of places uh, we have uh, for grailing. It's uh, Gloma is uh, very famous. It's uh, it's long, so you have uh, a lot of places. Uh, but uh, Gloma is very famous from um, uh, at least in the rest of uh, Europe. Mm-hmm. A lot of people come there. Uh, if you want to fish trout, uh, Hemsedal, uh, it's in the middle of the. It's actually in the mountains uh, in the south. Uh, that's very good, uh, very good uh, trout river. And we also have a lot of other good trout rivers just around uh, Hemsdal, just in the middle part of uh, around the mountains. Okay. And that's uh, H, uh, let's see, I think that's uh, Hemsdal is, um, I guess we yeah. can spell that. I'm just trying to, how, how do you, is that H-E-M-S-E-D? Uh, yeah, that's correct. <laughs> A-L. Yeah, A-L. Hemsdal. Hemsdal. Yeah. Okay. And um, well, let's let's dig into a little bit on the on the nymphing. Just for take us there for a little bit. And I'm curious because, like, on what you use, your gear is probably a little bit different. But talk about um, kind of back to the basics: rod, reel, line. And I know you mentioned that it's similar to what we do over here. But but talk about what what you're using there. If you're going out nymphing, on, and what is your home river? Like, if you're going to go nymphing right now, what's is there a river nearby where you live? I have a small, a couple of small creeks in Bergen, but if I want to go to a, a let's say a river, then then I will travel to Voss, which is about an hour and a half from here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Voss, and we have another river called Exo that's uh, about the same distance. So both those rivers is yeah more or less my home home river. That's it. That's it. And is that again? I'm trying. Sorry to bug you on the the. the I'm just trying to get these down. So it's V O S S, right? Voss. Yeah. Yeah. Post, and yeah. then uh, XO, it's E K S O. 
Okay. Oh, XO. Cool. So you're going there. So let's take it. Let's just say we're going to the Vos, uh, you know, today. Well, probably not today. What is the best time if you're going to go fishing for uh, for trout? I guess you're talking. Well, now, are you talking the Vos? Is this grayling or? or uh... No, no, no. That's uh, brown trout. Uh, the, the closest grayling river I have from my home is seven hours drive. So, so. So now uh, Vos, it's uh, we have a lot of snow on the mountains around Vos, so uh, it's kind of late. Uh, it's uh, yeah, in the in the second half of uh, June, I would say, uh, till throughout September. It's uh, it's prime it's prime time all year or all that uh, that period because uh, we have normally we have good water flow uh, from the snow melt and uh, and stable temperatures. So. So it's a very good period to fish there. It's mainly mid-sized trout, like let's say 30. You get them up to 40 centimeter, but not, not huge trout. It's just perfect uh, game fish. That's right. And this one does not have a connection. Do, do some rivers have a, a both sea run and native or and a resident fish? Yeah, uh, this uh, this river is also. Uh, now I'm fishing uh, on the brown trout uh, stretches more up, but uh, when you get uh, further down, they become salmon and sea trout uh, as well. Oh, but yeah. uh, there is more difficult to get uh, <laughs> to get the places. Oh, okay, yeah, I gotcha. Okay, so okay, so let's take us to the water. So we're in the maybe the the summertime, um, you know, and we're fishing it. W- what is the gear? So talk about your uh, rod reel line setup. What, what do you have there for a? Uh, what are you using for a rod? Yeah, I'm typically using a 10 foot uh, three weight, and uh, or uh, an 11 foot uh, three weight. That's uh, that's two rods I'm I'm normally going with. Uh, if I'm fishing, uh, let's say I'm fishing uh, shallow parts where I can uh, come close to the fish, I I prefer the 10 foot three. Mm-hmm. But if I if I need a longer reach uh, or a fishing calmer calmer or flatter areas of the river then i probably used to 11 foot to get a little bit more distance between me and the trout there you go and, and give us a name a brand uh who, what are you using there for raw brand names yeah i'm uh i'm uh, cooperating with uh, vision uh, oh, yeah. which is a finnish uh, manufacturer so i'm using a vision nymphmaniac uh, most of the time and sometimes uh uh, a vision exographene uh, nymph as well. Okay, perfect. Yeah, good. I, I'll always love to, well, well, where we can throw some links in the show notes. And uh, obviously we've heard of uh, that company. And then oh. and then what about your, uh, talk about your line. What, what, what do you got for a line there? Yeah, I use a level, a level uh, Euronymph line. Um, so yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm always looking into Facebook and all those, uh, all those comments around and, I see people say you don't need a, a euro line. Uh, use backing or use mono or whatever. Right. Uh, for me, it's it's never been a question. Uh, not only because it's uh, uh, you have to use a line in competition, of course, but uh, but anyway, it's I think the feel uh, the feel when setting the hook, when uh, taking in slack, when playing the fish uh, everything i think the feel is much better with a, with a coated line than than uh, mono or or backing so yeah i use a level euronymph line there you go yeah and that's uh that's also also vision <laughs> what oh, also vision okay yeah so the vision what and yeah. they make uh, i'm not even sure on their product line so they have rods line they kind of have a little bit of everything or what, what do they focus on they have a very broad uh, catalog. It's it's like they have everything. They have everything for uh, salmon fishing, sea trout fishing, uh, pike fishing, trout grayling, nymph dry, whatever. Uh, so they have uh, everything. Yeah, that's right. There's so many obviously around the world. There's I mean tons of names that always come in. We've we've had a yeah. few companies I think near you that have been on this show and. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping to dig into a little bit of that today. So you know, um, let's just keep this going on this. So we have the line, and uh, what, what about a reel? Is that also a vision reel, or you're fully fully there? Yeah, that is also <laughs> also a vision reel, yeah. But yeah. Uh, the reel is is uh, the most important part. With the reel is that it balances your rod properly. Oh yeah. Uh, and of course, that's a little bit of an individual thing how you like it. But uh, I would say that get a little bit of um, back weight on your rod. 
so you get a little bit you get automatically automatically get the top a little bit up you know mm, so you yep. don't have to correct yourself all the way so i think it's important you have um, a little bit back uh, back weight on uh, on the rod so that's what you do with the reel that's it so you think that is really important get a little bit more a little heavier reel to keep uh, the the tip kind of coming up is that what you mean yeah, depending on, of course, how how light the rod are and how how well uh, the rod is balanced uh, without the reel. But uh, but at least you want uh, you you don't want it to be tip heavy, if I can say that. Yeah. Because then you lose the sensitivity. Okay, so that's right. Yeah, you don't want it to be tip. And, and the rods obviously are you know they're Euro rods, so they're super light light yeah. tips and. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's a cool thing, and we have a lot of people that obviously have just started Euro nymphing. Some people that are more experienced, so so there's always questions on you know how do you do it right? Because it's kind of when you first start doing it, it's really a little weird, right? Because it's almost you don't really have a line to cast. Talk about that a little bit. What, uh-huh. what are the tips if you're out there now? First of all, do you do guide any guiding? I do some guiding and I also do some courses uh, in uh, in Euro nymphing. So uh, yeah. Uh, what I see is uh, is a, actually a big issue is is the casting because uh, it's it's so different from from what you learn in in a normal fly cast. So the casting is uh, actually something we spend a lot of time on the water before uh, yeah before people get it you know so mm-hmm. um, uh, but it's quite simple but you just need to think different. It's like you cannot roll cast you cannot. No. And just do uh, small loops because then your nymphs will hit the rod and <laughs> you're not yeah. fishing the rest of the day. <laughs> and, <laughs> and yeah, uh, so so the casting is is uh, it's actually a bit challenging to to get people to get at once. So is this course material like where, where people are actually uh, you have it online or how's the course material set up? Uh, we're not. Uh, we're gonna have it online uh, soon. We're just gonna start uh, doing that. But uh, now it's been physically uh, there in the river with them, and um, and uh, yeah. First we have some slideshows and uh, fly tying, oh, yeah. and then we go to the river, and uh, yeah. That's right. Yeah, because there's a lot too. So, well, let's just take us there for a second. So, say I'm, you know, I'm heading up there, you know, to fish with you here this this summer, spring, summer, and uh, and I'm there, and we're on on this river, you know, and I'm kind of brand new to it. Maybe I've tried to cast a couple times, and I've just like had to give up because it, it was so hard. You know, how do you start me out? What's the first thing you do <laughs> if I've got the rod in the hand? How, how, the casting thing. How, how, what do you tell somebody? So if they, yeah, they're really struggling. How, how do you make the cast? Uh, the easy way is to uh, uh, I don't know what you call it. Uh, maybe you call it water load. I, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah, water load. Yep. Yeah, just put the nymphs downstream of you and uh, and have that tension, and then just uh, uh, bring them uh, upstream because then you have the tension in the rod, and it it's like it's it's more natural. Uh, the problem is when people are trying to do it in the air because they are not. Uh, patience enough so uh, so they don't let flies get all the way back there before they start uh, uh, the movement uh, yep. uh, towards the fish so so yeah i would say start with the water load just uh, bring those flies downstream of you and and chip them up yeah so the water load's big and then and then you're probably doing some stuff with your other hand to kind of like speed up the like haul like haul the line that sort of thing or, or what other tips would you give somebody so they got the water load and how far can you cast and how can you shoot a, a further cast or are you trying to stay within you know pretty close to you yeah i uh, you try to stay within uh, 6 7 meters uh, because uh, uh, you will have a tr- <laughs> you will have some trouble taking up that slack and get contact with the flies if it's too long. Mm-hmm. So so uh, six seven meters is uh, the maximum cost uh, I would say. That's it. So maximum. You don't go longer than than like six or seven meters ever, Roy. I do it sometimes, but I don't take people out <laughs> yeah. and say that say they should do that first. I think it's uh, smart to start short and and then uh, get comfortable with it before you start doing longer drifts but mainly if you if you have a drift up to uh, eight or nine meters then you're going to struggle even even though you are uh, experienced yeah that's right okay so that's good to know so and and that's roughly six seven that's like 20 feet so a good short cast and and are you when you're doing this are you typically well back to the Voss if we're on that river um 
how are you covering water? How are you reading the water? If we were there again, I'm there with you. If you're at a new location, you know, where do you start out like covering the water when you say, okay, I'm going to find fish here? Uh, yeah, that's always different. But uh, what I always say is to look for um, variation uh, of mm. some kind. Um, sometimes you have structure uh, on the bottom that's uh, that's breaking the current. And that's, of course, uh, in, the, in those seams, uh, it's a natural place for a fish to be. Uh, but always look for uh, some kind of variation if it's a uh, small... Uh, yeah, like like a like a, uh, like a yeah, break or uh, like a uh, anything, any structure, yeah. Yeah, whatever. And uh, uh, the best is if you know if it's brown trout or grayling because then you then you need to uh, or search them up in a different way, but if it's brown trout, always fish the the margins, the uh, close to the bank, the the love the bank. Uh, if it's uh, grayling, okay, wait to your hips. Uh huh. <laughs> uh, okay. There you go, really. So you got you got to get deep. Yeah, yeah. Especially in the in the in the bigger rivers, but uh, but uh, of course in the shallow rivers they they always stand uh, anywhere they can stand. But uh, if if you're searching for grayling in a bigger river, just wait hip deep and, uh, and see if you find them there. Huh. And and that's because uh, in your they're just in deeper water for the most part. Or yeah, and the. They really like to stay close to the main current. Uh, that's that's one of the things for, with grayling. They they really like the main current. Current uh, opposite of brown trout, uh, who mainly tries to avoid the main current and and rather stay in the calmer water. Uh, so yeah, it's it's quite dif- different with the uh, with those two. There you go. Yeah, it's a definitely two different species. So yeah. Okay, and. and uh, so we're on the water and we're we're fishing near the bank. Let's just take it to the the brown trout. So we're fishing near the bank and um, leader wise, it sounds like you're probably pretty similar to what we've talked about here before. Just long. How, how long typically is your leader setup? Uh, my leader setup is typically around seventeen to twenty foot. It's uh, yeah. That's, uh, of course, some variations, uh, a little bit shorter when grayling fishing and as long as you can when trout fishing. Right. As short as you can. So when, how is it different between trout and grayling? Uh, because the grayling is, uh, is normally closer to you, uh, so you don't need uh, and And when you're taking the fish back to you, it's, uh, if you get into that thin uh, leader material in your hand, it's, it's more difficult to get them in. So, so uh, that's why I like the line, because I can uh, play the fish uh, or fight the fish while holding in the line. So uh, that's mainly because uh, you don't need to, to do those long drifts with, uh, with grayling. So your leader don't need to be that long either. Either. Yep, exactly. What about flies? Take us to the flies a little bit. So, um, what are your, you know, if you're out there nipping, uh, give us mm. a couple of patterns that you, you're kind of going to typically out there. Typically, I'm. Uh, I think the, the pattern is is never the most important. <laughs> the most important will always be to how you bring the fly to the fish, but. But I have a rule that uh, if you have one dark nymph, one light uh, colored nymph, and uh, one attraction nymph, uh, th- then you have the basics, uh, and you just need uh, need those in different co- uh, sizes and uh, and different bead and weights, uh, colors. Yeah. So uh, so let's say the, the pheasant tail is probably my my most important nymph. I of course have it in in uh, different variations like uh, different colors and uh, and all that but uh, the pheasant tail will will never get too old uh, of course the hair is there as well so then i have a dark nymph and then i have a lighter nymph so uh, and i have a couple of tag nymphs uh, can be anything it's like um, yeah you have the red tags you have the yeah, all kinds of variations, but uh, I think I think it's uh, important to have the those three as a basic, like uh, one one dark, one light, and uh, one attraction. That's that's a good tip. So when you cast, uh, let's say you're casting upstream towards along the bank for some of those trout, uh, and you have those three flies, talk about how you're fishing that. So you get down there, just bring us there. How, how are you getting that down to the fish and knowing you're at the right distant level? Yeah, uh, of course, depending on the water flow. Um, let's say uh, in my typical rivers, I would fish two flies just uh, j- 
just to to cover two different depths because uh, some places is uh, the trout stay they just stay on the bottom, uh, but other places they stand probably thirty centimeter over the bottom. So if if you have one fly hitting the bottom or too too low, it's it's nice to have that uh, dropper fly that's uh, actually in the in the path of the the fish. So typically, I'm fishing two nymphs, uh, casting upstream. Uh, never uh, let the line land on the water; only only the flies, and uh, and keep that uh, indicator close to uh, close to the surface. It's like yeah, you, know, you guys call it cider, I guess. Yeah, cider. Yeah, we we call it indicator. Oh, you do. There you go. Because indicators yeah. aren't allowed, right? In uh, in the competition. Uh, no, uh, you can use a uh, indica- indicator fly, of course. Uh, oh, you right. Can, you can use uh, a bung, uh, which also is a fly. But uh, but uh, yeah, we, we like to keep. Uh, we, we use the mono uh, indicator, just like uh, yeah, your ciders. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, it's exactly the same thing. I, I, I don't know why it's called different, but in Europe we normally call it uh, indicator. Indicator. Uh, yeah. So keep that close to to the surface and uh, and always keep in contact, uh, or at least try to keep in contact with the flies without dragging too much. Because mm-hmm. if you start dragging the flies, they will not come in a dead drift. Like dragging them, dragging them on the bottom. Yeah, or dragging them towards you. Um, oh, right, right, right. Yeah. So just try to keep that contact without dragging and uh, yeah then you will hook that fish hopefully one more quick word from a super super duper sponsor trestle the crc system from trestle provides secure convenient storage for your fully rigged flight rods with unsurpassed gear protection the CRC system is pretty cool. They, it comes with a very easy mounting system. It secures right to your vehicle, to your rack, whatever you have there. There's a reel compartment that's actually uh, flipped around, so your reels ride up, which actually protects them more. Uh, this thing is bomber. You can bomb down a gravel road and uh, and not have to worry about your rods on top of the car. So this is just makes it easier to have things ready to go. Obviously having your rods rigged and ready to go makes it easier just to like get off work. There you go. They're, they're on, they're on top of your car. You don't have to rig them up and you can actually, you know, this is fully, if you want to have it the full length, you can have your rod um, ready to go. So no breaking it down or any of that stuff, which is cool. I remember uh, I had a pickup at one time that had the window in the middle, which was always pretty handy. I'd leave my rod fully rigged and they would slip to there and it actually worked out really well. Uh, now I don't have that option. So having this rod carrier is actually really nice. If you have a car that's not a pickup, uh, your chance of getting a rod fully rigged in your car is uh, slim to none. So this is a way to do it. The, uh, the CRC system actually has uh, the flip up compartment actually allows you for hatchbacks. It makes it easier if you're securing on a hatchback. There's definitely a ton of stuff here. I'm kind of uh, chopping this one up, and uh, I'm not doing a good job. So I'm going to just let Trestle uh, take over here. Head over to Trestle. Uh, that's wetflyswing.com slash Trestle, T-R-X-S-T-L-E, to get started right now. And you will support Trestle, this podcast, and a whole bunch of excited people if you click over to that link right now. Check it out. Okay, back to the show. That's the amazing thing about the Euro nymphing stuff is that it actually, you know, is pretty simple, really. You know, it's and I've done a lot of a similar type of fishing, not mm. necessarily Euro, but it's more of the cast. I think once you get the cast, do you feel like, well, what do you feel like is the hardest thing for the Euro nymphing for people that are getting into it to get to become good or become really good at it? First of all, it's the cast, but next it's uh, actually how you lead or how you uh, get that contact uh, on your drift because it's so easy to just lead your nymphs uh, or dragging your nymph towards yeah. you because then you obviously have contact, but they're not always drifting in a dead, dead drift, so yeah. it's not that natural to the fish. But uh, So I would say um, both casting and... and uh, how you actually drift your nymphs. How you drift. Well, what is the tip there on how do you keep from dragging it? Because depending on the current, obviously, the currents yeah. could be doing crazy things. Well, how do you keep from doing that? Uh, first of all, you need to find the right weight. Uh, you need to find a weight that don't 
just hit the bottom so you need to drag uh so you you want to find that weight that goes down but don't yeah too too fast or too much yeah so that's that's the the first one and uh second i think it's just uh <laughs> it depends on how many hours you have with a rod uh, with a rod in your hand because uh, it's just uh, a feeling kind of yeah it's a feeling so and that's part of this thing is that knowing you know, you have so many weights, right? You have maybe three different beads or for each fly and different color. I mean, what is yeah. your fly box? Take us to that a little bit. What, what does your box look like? Does it have just uh, how many different types of sizes of each fly and colors and all that do you have? Uh, um, I have uh, I have uh, three different bead size mm-hmm. uh, normally in, uh, in one pattern. And uh, I have it all the way from size 12 uh, uh, to 18 and some in 20 as well mm-hmm. so it, it gets a lot of yeah <laughs> your boxes your boxes will fill up quite fast it's uh but you need to have it because uh, there is always one situation where you wanted one in 16 with a 2.8 or 2.5 millimeter and it's always the other situation where you want one in 16 but should have been 3.5 millimeters so yeah so you need that uh, via, uh yeah you need that spectra that variation yeah yeah. yeah, so you have a, a good diversity. And then like on you said the pheasant tail, you might have different like different what hot spot or different coloration on the thorax. Uh yeah, basically. And some with the uh, with the CDC color. Oh yeah. Uh to make more lively and yeah. So it's uh it's all small small things, but uh yeah, your boxes get <laughs> packed. <laughs> That's, That's right. Sure. right. And are you are you tied? Do you enjoy tying flies, tying up all those flies? Uh, the, the true the true answer would be no because uh, it's it's like a production you know uh, yeah. when you go and prepare for a com- uh, a competition at least uh, an international competition it's just uh, mayhem you need to sit down tie those two hundred flies uh, all right and then tie the other two hundred flies and uh, yeah it's um, that's that's not it's not fun but it's it's real nice when you have it when you have it so you can just go to the river and know that now I now I got it so. You wouldn't necessarily go out there and find somebody and be like, "Hey, get, can you tie me two hundred <laughs> of these flies?" You, you have to do it yourself. Yeah, I, I could, but uh, I like I, in that way. I like to do it myself because then I know what what it is. Uh, but uh, of course, I, I bought some flies uh, from some guides when we were traveling to different uh, different world championships, and uh, and they tie great flies. So yeah, uh, so no problem. But uh, yeah. It's something with this. It's it's a part of the preparation, even though it's not so fun. It's like, yeah, when you do it yourself, you feel like you're preparing. Yeah, no. It, we we just recently had a production, like a well, full time tire on uh, Nick uh, Pianessa, and he was talking about, uh, you know, he's tying, you know, thousands of flies, right? Yeah. And uh, he was talking about. I was asking that, like, how does he keep from getting bored or whatever. But uh, he listens to a lot of books on tape, and I was kind of telling, uh, you know, I was kind of telling, man, you got to get into podcasting, you know, you got to listen to podcasts. There's a lot of good. Uh, how's that going? You know, uh, from you, do you have any uh, podcasts out there in your neck of the woods or anything you listen to? Uh, yeah, I I listen to everything, and I put on YouTube videos, even though I don't, I cannot see them. I can at least uh, hear some fishing. So so I use all those uh, tricks uh, just to get uh, through it. Yeah. And your channel is, uh, so your YouTube channel, uh, and I know if we were to go there, it's uh, obviously in, uh, you know, Norwegian, so it's a different uh, different language. But what would, describe that channel a little bit for us. Like, what, what would somebody, if they were to click over there and watch some of what you do, how do you guys cover it, or what do you what do you cover in there? Yeah, uh, it's, it's just a startup. We just uh, started up a new business now called uh, Vague. And... Um, Mainly, we just try to uh, show fly fishing. Uh, uh, first, we're going to try to show it to the Norwegian audience because there is a lot of fishing techniques out there um, and a lot of uh, different types of fishing in general that um, that the Norwegian audience is not uh, familiar with. So, so we just try to show all the the cool stuff you can do with a fly rod in your hand and uh, basically uh, of course uh, with with trout in in focus uh so we've done uh, so far we've done six episodes uh 
Hmm. Uh, all those episodes is actually with English subtitles. So oh, even right. okay. Yeah, even though it's in Norwegian, you can you can see it. Uh, I don't know if the grammar is correct in old sentences, yeah, yeah. but that's okay. But still, we try. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, that's good. Uh, yeah. So first of all, we we're gonna do this for the Norwegian and uh, Scandinavian uh, audience, and uh, hopefully take it more international. Uh, uh, maybe next year, yeah. And how do you spell that again? Uh, v e uh, i g. Yeah, i g. Yeah, good. Yeah. So yeah, and I didn't notice. I think I might have been on a different uh, video because I didn't see the subtitles. So that's good. And and uh, yeah, I know the struggle. Uh, we do. We transcribe this whole episode. So as we're talking here, uh, we you know have a service we pay to transcribe it and it's it's in yeah. the blog post so you can go read every word we're talking about right now but it's not uh, I don't you know we don't go into detail it's it's, it's about 95% correct so there's yeah, definitely yeah. some errors but you know that's kind of having that more than having nothing right is helpful so i think that's yeah, a sure. good thing yeah you sure. do that okay well, um, yeah, I mean, I, we've we've kind of dug into a little bit. I, I feel like uh, I feel like we have a little taste. Anything else you want to shed light on here um, about what you do? You know, kind of fishing in Norway or anything else before we start to head out of here? Yeah, and I, I'm I'm just really happy that, uh, or hopefully, uh, that we are able to compete uh, international again. Um, so it's going to be the European this year, and and uh, then. The World Championship in uh, September in uh, Spain. Mm-hmm. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, see good old friends. Uh, see uh, Lance and Devin uh, again. That's uh, that's been a few years. So uh-huh. uh, yeah, and all those guys. It's uh, I really look forward to it. So yeah, hopefully this COVID uh, stuff is uh, going the right way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, totally. We're all we're all ready for it to be heading away from us uh and okay so so yeah no i mean we're gonna keep our fingers crossed and and hopefully you guys can get out there again but when is this uh when is the 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 european competition when is that set for this year if i'm not wrong it's uh, the 4th of july to 12th 12th of july yeah so it's uh it's midsummer and should be great yeah gotcha Gotcha. Okay. And uh, give us a, uh, let's do the, um, we got a little segment here, ask a pro segment. Uh, uh, We also call this coffee talk sometime if it's in the morning, but um, we had a question from Phil in the Facebook group, and this kind of goes in line with what we were talking about on flies. But um, he said, what is, um, he want to know what your favorite um, color of of tungsten bead is and, uh, and maybe some tips on kind of tying with weight or maybe let's start there what is your favorite color do you have one you love to use yeah uh i have uh, a copper copper bead is uh, is probably uh the one i use the most uh next after that will be uh actually black nickel oh really okay and then, of course, you have all those crazy colors uh, working. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you should have it all. But uh, but the ones I've used uh, or used more is uh, copper, uh, copper or uh, or um, black nickel. Copper black. And then, what about your? If you talk about your hotspot bead color, what would that be? Your first one. Um, hotspot uh, metallic uh, orange, actually. Oh, orange. Yeah, but not painted. Uh, in uh, it, it should be metallic, not painted. Oh, not painted, right? Right. So these things, and that's because just so it doesn't like chip or something like that. Uh, they they still they still chip, but um, I don't know. The, I've tried it now for uh, a few years, and uh, it seems like the trout they really love it. It's like uh, one of my favorite uh, attractor nymphs uh, is uh, is with that bead, uh, and it's working like crazy. Oh wow! There you go. And would you put that on your setup? Where are you putting that? Is that on your dropper or on your on your lead fly? Uh, normally on my dropper. Yeah. Yeah, on your dropper. There you go. Which would be um, uh, how far up above your your lead fly would that be? I'm not sure in inches, but uh, that would be around uh, 65, 70 centimeters from uh, from my point fly. 65, 70. Yeah, I think I want to say that's yeah. It's kind of uh, half, so uh, roughly yeah, 30. So uh, yeah. almost almost three feet. Two, yeah. two, three feet. Okay. Uh, a little bit more. A little nine, more. Not, 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 not three feet. Yeah, between two and three feet. Yeah. 
Two and three feet. Okay. Yeah. All right. Perfect. And and what about you know when you're when you're tying those? Anything to know about? Um, I mean, are you just pretty much I guess hooks and, and beads? Well, let's just quickly talk there. What what are you using on hooks and beads? What what type are you using? I use uh, for the competition flies. I use um, I use uh, Hanok, uh, Czech brand. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I love the the four seventy. Uh, barbless uh, hook uh, it's just uh, mm-hmm. a very good hook and uh, since I use uh, Hanok uh, hooks I also use the Hanok heads because then I know there will, <laughs> will never be any conflict uh, yeah yeah that's awesome yeah they're definitely obviously a big name out there that's yeah. good stuff Okay, and we haven't talked um, much today about anything. We focus a little bit on on Euro, uh, but you said fifty percent is other. Uh, you know, when you're fishing out there in competition, what what other are you kind of mixing that between? Is that mostly like a dry fly sort of thing? Yeah, and uh, yeah, dry fly, dry dropper. Uh, yeah, sometimes streamer, but not that much uh, streamer fishing really. But uh, uh, dry fly is a uh, very important uh, thing, at least on on the brown trout. Uh, they are uh, normally quite happy to come up, and uh, and when I fish a dry fly, I normally fish it single. So yeah, then I, then I have the best drifts, and uh, yeah. Uh, but also, uh, when I said fifty percent, I was counting also the all the still water fishing. That's huge uh, as well. Oh, do you guys have lots of uh, lots of still water fishing up there? Yeah, we have lakes. Uh, everywhere there you go that's cool <laughs> so so it's it's a lot of still water fishing and uh, and i really love it so yeah yep so do we that's one of those things it's uh still water you know we always it's just like today we we're talking about what we were going to talk about you know and we could have we could have spent an hour on still water easily yeah uh, and maybe we can maybe we'll follow up with you and get you on uh you know down the line we'll, we'll talk still water who else yeah. you know would you recommend if other you know, other people out there that are in, you know, kind of around your neck of the woods that are, that are kind of big names like yourself, that would be good, uh, guests. Any, anybody else we should be checking out? Uh, absolutely. Uh, there is a couple of brothers that, uh, mm-hmm. that are doing, uh, a lot of salmon and also sea trout fishing, oh, but nice. mainly from, um, uh, mainly river fishing. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, I think you should uh, check them out. It's, uh, they have, a. Uh, they have a website called crun.no. Okay. Uh, so you should check them out. There you go. crun.no. Awesome. And then what about um, what about somebody talking lake or uh, Stillwater? Who, who would who would be that person? In Norway? Yeah. Me. Oh, you are. So you're the Stillwater <laughs> guru too. So you're are you, now. Are you more the are you more the Stillwater guru or are you more the uh, the the Euro nymphing guru? Now uh, I would say both because um, there is not a lot of people come that far um in in either one of the uh yeah in your area <laughs> in either one of the things so yeah, yeah. uh i would say uh, but if you want to want a real steel water man to talk to you should talk to ian Barr in uh, in the uk okay ian, ian Barr. that's ian uh, ian Barr. yeah i think i've heard of i've heard of ian so i'll put a link out to him as well yeah, for former world champion, and uh, yeah, it's uh, just an amazing stillwater angler. Gotcha. Okay. And what about a what, give us a lodge? A shout out to a lodge. Do you, do you know any any good ones over there? If somebody wanted to come, whether that was uh, sea trout or Atlantic salmon, um, are there any that stick out? Like, or where right? If somebody was going to go, say they want to travel, there's different ways to do it, right? You could just travel to Norway and and go find some like DIY stuff. But are, are there quite a few? You mentioned there's some lodges out there, right? Um, mainly the, the lodges is, uh, is, uh, connected with the salmon fishing. Yeah. So it's all salmon. Yeah. Uh, it's not, uh, it's not that much, uh, in, uh, in trout fishing, but there is actually, uh, an American guy running uh, one camp in, um, a place called Rena. It's, uh, R E N A. Okay. Uh, I think his name is John Bond or something. Oh, really? Okay wrong but yeah so that's one of the places at least perfect yeah yeah that's good just give us some links because we're gonna we're gonna try to follow up with you and uh and dig a little more into this and you know and norway is one of those places i think yeah atlantic salmon gets a lot of uh a lot of love but it sounds like norway is just one of those places we should all visit 
before we die, right? It's uh, <laughs> what are you, what are your uh, you know on your bucket list like around the world? Uh, it sounds like you've traveled a little bit, but if you if you had to go to one place before you head out, where would that be? Uh, one place I haven't been yet. Yeah. Or yeah. Uh, then I guess it would be Argentina. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Actually, because uh, yeah, I haven't experienced it, uh, and I really want to. Um, it's a lot of things there. It looks interesting. Like, uh, of course, the sea trout in Rio Grande looks perfect. Mm-hmm. But also, for example, the Jurassic Lake and um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it looks uh, phenomenal. So that I really want to do. But uh, of course, I really want to come back to uh, to Colorado and uh, the United States as well because uh, that fishing uh, that was some fishing I really really enjoyed. Oh, nice! Yeah, you were you were out here a, a while back or before COVID, I guess. Yeah, before COVID, it, it was uh, during the World Championship in Vail. Oh yeah, two thousand sixteen, I guess. Yeah. It was. How was that for you? Was that a, was that a challenging uh, trip to like fishing wise out here? Uh, fishing wise, I it was not uh, too challenging because it, it was quite similar to to the rivers I fish in Norway actually. Um, but the climate was different. Uh, some of the insects was of course different, but but uh, the rivers was uh, quite uh, let's say easy to get to know uh, because it was so similar to to our rivers. So, but um, the scenery. Um, the yeah everything it was it was just an amazing experience being there and nice people as well yeah definitely yeah colorado is one of our for sure one of the hot spots for fishing uh well fly shops and just yeah just fly fishing it's it's a killer place so yeah uh, okay and, and what about i always love to hear about kind of a resource you know obviously you're a huge resource you've got all this but who else out there would you recommend in your in your area if somebody wanted to learn more about kind of uh, the, the Euronific, are there a bunch of resources or is it sounds like it, maybe there's not a huge community out there for people teaching this or guiding that sort of stuff? No, no in Norway or Scandinavia, it's, it's really not uh, too many, uh, to be honest. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's basically a competition thing and uh, some, some people is, is specialized in it, but um yeah, it's not that huge uh, here because, uh, yeah, and we we try to do something with that though. It's a, it's a, it's gonna be different in uh, in a couple of years. That's yeah, it'll be it's one of the yeah. plans of uh, of our company now to to open up oh, this stuff and and uh, make people want to do it more. That's right. So so fly fishing wise, uh, it's not still well anywhere. Fly fishing is a small a small little niche, you know, because it's yeah. a small group, but. But what are people in Norway? So again, so now I'm coming to Norway, but I'm not going there to fly fish. What, what are people coming there to do in, in Norway? It's a lot of hiking. Uh-huh. Uh, hiking in the mountains. Um, yeah, I guess that's basically why they're here. And just seeing the sceneries and, um, and all that stuff. Um, yeah, that's, that's the main, main thing people are doing. Uh, just experience the scenery and, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why they don't fish. It's, it's a strange thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I never go anywhere without fishing. So yeah, that's right. So I cannot relate. Yeah, you always have your uh, you always have your gear in the car. Well, I'm curious. This is just on a random note. We, we I was talking to somebody. We were talking about what cars, um, you know, people are driving. We've got Toyota is a big. Uh, a lot of our listeners uh, have Toyotas. I'm curious. What what are the what's the perfect vehicle there for your your like outdoor kind of um fishing rig what, what are people driving uh i guess uh i would say toyota yeah uh, i don't have a toyota myself but uh, i would like one uh, <laughs> the land cruiser would be perfect oh the land cruiser yeah those are awesome that's right yeah the, the problem land cruisers they're 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 like whatever they cost they're they're ridiculously high <laughs> priced right the land cruiser yeah. but but yeah. Uh, even the old ones even the old land cruisers here are super yeah. crazy expensive which is uh but yeah, Toyotas are a popular, I guess anywhere in the world, Toyotas are going to be a popular vehicle, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, uh, Erland. Well, uh, this has been fun for me. Uh, give us a shout out in the next kind of uh, year uh, or whatever uh, that you have. Anything new you want to give other than the competition? Um, anything new coming for you you want to give a heads up on? Uh, no, it's it's like, uh, yeah, please uh, please follow uh, our uh, our Instagram uh, on Vague. Okay, Instagram. 
Yeah, that would be uh, nice for us because, uh, as I said, we we like to do uh, a more or get to a, a bigger international audience uh, in the time, and that's the plan. But oh, perfect. Uh, you have to uh, you have to deal with some Norwegian the first couple of months months at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll do it. And what, what's your what's your Instagram? Uh, vague dot no. Oh yeah, same thing. Vague. Yeah. Uh, so please follow that and. Uh, Hopefully, we're going to do a lot of fun stuff in the in the future. Uh, from yeah, all from production of fly fishing uh, movies and uh, of course the courses, uh, both online and, and physically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Uh, yeah, I love that you guys are going doubling down on the courses and, and the teaching and and all that stuff. So uh, so good deal. All right. Well, thanks again for taking all the time today. This has been this has been fun to dig into it with you and get a little perspective on uh, another great part of the world. And uh, yeah, I'll check back with you here. Uh, you know, and uh, maybe we can get you on and talk Stillwater uh, on the next time. So thanks, Erlen. Appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was uh, fun. So there you go. If you want to find all the show notes, all links, and everything else we covered today, head over to wetflyswing.com/slash two eight six two hundred and eighty six. 286. Before we head out of here, I want you to head over to wetflyswing.com slash I was going to say Spotify, but I don't think we have that link. How about we just head over to Spotify right now. If you're listening on Spotify, that makes it very easy. There should be three dots if you click over there and those three dots should, if things are set up right, allow you to leave a rating. A five-star rating would be super helpful. It would show others that uh, this is a good show. And it'll help us find new people, which helps more people stick around in fly fishing. And I believe creates a better world. That's my take on it. So thanks again. And thank you for supporting the show and for listening. Hope to catch you online on the river. Send me an email. Uh, Reply back to the email if you're on our list, on our newsletter. Uh, Let me know. I would love to hear from you. Thanks again. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.